Hello, everybody. Um, this is going to be episode 21 of Dreadful Talk. Um, you know, I'm f- really excited about that little milestone. I mean, you know, I've been here 21 weeks in a row. Um, you know, I don't take that lightly. I, I pride myself on, you know, consistency and, and, be, and, and you know, knocking out these episodes every week for you. And um, this week I have a special one. Um, it, it's, got, it's, a, it's a guest, not necessarily typical of the program, but something I would like to get more of, you know, in, in the future. And, and that's a real live intellectual researcher. Um, this week's guest is going to be Janine Hilaire, and she's an apparel studies and sociological researcher. So it's not just my stone buddies talking bro science on here this week. Um, and she's joining in. Let's get her on here. And while we're waiting for Janine to get on here, hello, Janine. Hey. Hey, I really appreciate it. Um, Before we dive in, um, I'm just going to read off this quick little sponsorship real quick, and then we can get to the meat and potatoes. Um, But yeah, this this episode is being brought to you by my sponsor, Zach Brown. Zach Brown can help you in real estate, life insurance, and property insurance. Um, Man of many talents. He's going to make you feel comfortable. You're going to feel like you've known him a long time. Good buddy of mine, good people to work with, um, not your typical stuffy businessman. You know, he's a man of the people. You can reach him at 405-255-7867. Name is Zach Brown. It's real estate, life insurance, and property insurance. And you can reach out at 405-255-7867. Thank you for being patient with that, Janine. Um, welcome to Dreadful Talk. Um, I was introducing you a little bit, but I'll get back into it. You are a an apparel studies and sociological researcher, and I just want to say that'll be a, a breath of fresh air for the listeners uh, who are used to listening to my stone buddies talk uh, bro science. Uh, so I appreciate <laughs> you coming on and, and, and lending us a little bit of your time. And, um, you know, um, but yeah, I'll let you introduce yourself and just say hi to everybody. All right. Well, um, yeah. Hi, all. Um, I'm uh, I, I'm a lot of things, actually, like that, like the, the intro I gave you was just kind of um, kind of only part of what I do uh, right now. My focus is on um, uh, indigenous identity and the way that that's articulated in a settler colonial context, which is what we live in. Yes. So um, this, so there's a lot of. Uh, there's a a lot that goes on, um, I think, in the world around clothing that we don't often recognize, um, and the way that we like express our identities because that's essentially what clothing is. Yeah, totally. So um, one of the things that I want to do, one of my main missions in life, is to decolonize, do something called decolonized fashion, okay. um, and that's kind of like dispel a lot of uh, myths and a lot of. Um, <clears throat> a lot of actually uh, sexist views around fashion because a lot of people think that it's just fluff. And I'm like, but you wear clothing every day. So yeah, 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 that's for sure. There's, kind there's of what I do. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, there's there's a lot to dissect there. Um, I think I and, and this isn't even a question I, I wrote down. This is just something that I thought of based off what you just said. Like, do you think? a lot of like, 
Like, I always like to try to trace things back to the root of the problem, you know. And I, I feel like a lot of times our society, like when we try to address a problem where we're, we're dealing with the flowers and the leaves as opposed to the root, you know. Um, and, and so I think, do you would do you think it's fair to say that like a root of a lot of a lot of this, you know, problems with the fashion industry and all that, it comes from it being like rooted in like Italy, like in, in Western Europe. Like, do you think that has any, like, you know, a lot of the Italian designers, the Gucci's, the, the this, the that, the high-end fashion, um, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of Italy, a lot of France, I believe. Um, do, do you think that's kind of where the product problem starts or is that like a byproduct or like kind of dive into that? All right. Well, um, there's actually a lot to dissect with that with that question. Um, my uh, so yes, what we think of fashion right now is very rooted in these Eurocentric views yeah, of yeah. you know that it's an industry that it's um, this kind of high end like high class like it's a classist thing actually yeah, a lot of yeah. people see fashion as a very classist thing where you have to be of a certain class to actually like follow that and what's really messed up and antiquated about that is um you know we're not in the 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 times of sumptuary laws where the royalty restricts what people can wear yeah. <laughs> like we're so far past that but for some reason these this these like histories are kind of stuck in our minds is like ooh fashion what we consider to be fashion is all stuck is all kind of stuck in that in that kind of class system um, when in actuality, uh, we all take part in fashion every day, every moment of our lives, because it's how we fashion ourselves. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what I look at is where, um, is where our identities are expressed. Our identities are expressed through clothing. And, and in fact, that's how we choose what we wear every day is based off of our identity. Um, and it's almost like, um, like, and everybody knows it, like everybody feels it deep down. If they're wearing something that doesn't express who they are, they know it. They it's know the it worst. like deep, like deep down. And it's like this little tinge of like, like if you've ever felt insecure wearing something, you know, exactly instantaneously that that is not your identity. Yeah. And that's how closely it's linked. Yeah. So this, so this idea that fashion is like solely like there, I get so many people intimidated. They go, they go like, Oh, I'm not really a fashion person. It's like, you wear clothing, you fashion yourself. That's what I'm interested in. That's and even really even the people that wear like, let's just say bland or ordinary clothing, they're usually doing so intentionally, which is still expressing themselves, even though they're trying to like not express themselves. It still reflects their, you know, perhaps conservative personality. It's still saying things about them, even though they're like trying to make it not. That's really interesting. Um, and also I kind of wanted to bring something full circle, just, kind of made me think of it. Um, you're talking about the classism and then the high-end fashion. What I find even more ironic about that is those high-end fashion Italian designers, they get a lot of their inspiration and ideas from like the American streets and like the, the poor folk, the hood, the poor folks, the, the, the people that can't afford their clothes is where they they draw a lot of and then a lot of those people are getting those clothes from thrift stores and recycling vintage looks and and, and it, it really is a very interesting cycle of how how that all how that all works well one of the one of the things that i'm fascinated by is this kind of this kind of clashing of we have these kind of we have these views that are stuck in this 
old school way of thinking, like, like I was saying before, this idea that fashion is this class thing is so antiquated. But then you, but then you have, you know, we have this like almost forward consciousness where we're just like, oh yeah, fashion is for everybody now because you have all these fast fashion brands that are taking, that are taking inspiration from what runway. So it's kind of the opposite of what you're talking about. It's almost like they inform each other. And it's this big mismatch, mismatch of, of like the streets inform the, the, oh, the, oh, the streets and, um, and actually like, and including um marginalized cultures yeah true like inform high fashion and then high fashion regurgitates that back out and then fast fashion comes in and essentially like grabs that as well so it's almost like um like the inspiration <clears throat> basically breaks those class uh boundaries or those class barriers and we kind of walk around thinking it's like, oh, well, I'm wearing something that's just like w what was on the runway, you know, two weeks ago. So there is no class system when when we still have those those like antiquated, like underlining um, aspects to our culture that we don't even realize are there. True. So, true. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um let me ask you this um, kind of interesting question, because like, I don't know, my a little bit about my background, you know, I, I'm kind of a little bit more of like a hip hop background, like, like that type of, of, you know, that's how I came up, you know, I, not just solely that, but that's, you know, kind of the culture I grew up in. And um, do you think that like, like and, and it used to be a bigger thing back in like the early 2000s, there were like black clothing brands, like there was Sean John, FUBU, it's just, I mean, there's other ones, Bathing Eight, but like there's these black clothing brands. And, and I feel like that's kind of gone away a little bit and it's kind of more homogenized. Um, but like, did, did, do you find like back when there was like black brands or in, insert race brand here, like, do you, do you, did you find that to be a good thing? Like, because people were expressing their cultural identities. Or do you find that as kind of a bad thing? Because like I saw the flip side of it where like if you were a black kid that grew up back then that didn't want to dress like that, like say you were wearing like a white brand or whatever, you may catch shit for that or have your blackness questioned for that. So I just like, like, I don't know. I, I can kind of see both sides of the coin. It's like the whole FUBU by us, for us type of shit. And, and, and it kind of has good intentions, but maybe had some bad consequences. Or I don't know. What do you think about all that? No, I think I think you make a you make like an you make an excellent point, or you bring up an excellent topic. Um, one of the one of the things that I that I personally struggle with, and and that's another way of decolonizing fashion, is this idea that your identity is so controlled by capitalism. Yes. Uh, so one of the things that um, that I I firmly believe in <coughs> is voting with your dollar. So one of the things that that these um, that these you know black run businesses, these black fashion businesses, um, gave an opportunity for us to keep the dollar within that community. Yeah, and that's 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 hugely important, especially when you're talking about marginalized communities. These marginalized communities, they need like like I I actually purposefully buy um, 
like all of my Black Lives Matter t-shirts, I've got four of them and they're all from Black-owned businesses and screen printers. Yeah, yeah, me and my um, and wife do... are real big on that. Like she loves buying native-made earrings and I love buying, I have. I also like to buy t-shirts from Black-owned companies. So um, yeah, I totally agree with you there. And I, I but continue, I just, I also, I wanted to co-sign that. I, I, I do believe that's yeah. very important to vote with your dollar and spend, you know, make your voice matter, you know, with the where you purchase things from. Thank you. Exactly. Like that's, that's like, these earrings are actually by a really awesome, I actually probably need to get you the the name of the artist yeah. who does, but it's California um, indigenous uh, jewelry artist. She does amazing Perfect. work. Um, and there's, there's, and she like, there's, there's always history. And there's always stories behind every shell and every bead. Um, but, but so that, that idea of voting with your dollar um, is uh, like a lot of uh, a part of that. Let's see, what are the words I'm trying to find? Um, there's a, a very, um, important connection there when you were talking about, um, when you were talking about identity, there's like a couple different like split offs. So I have, yeah, a, yeah. I have a tough time with like linear conversations. <laughs> it's okay. We, we can bring it full circle. <laughs> just, just, just go with the flow. Okay. So one of the, um, so one of the first things I wanted to touch on because it's, it's so much jam is like, it's all about this, this, you know, identity, um, is uh, it's almost like this, um, like capitalism has this kind of control over how we how we express our identity, um, and like voting with your dollar is actually one uh, one way to kind of um, you're kind of using capitalism in, yeah. in 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 ways in that in that sense. But at the same time, it's like we are at this at this day and age, kind of. Um, at the mercy of what's produced, if that makes any sense. So, um, so for instance, you had all of these, uh, you were talking about how you had, you know, black run brands, but were they producing what every black kid wanted to wear? Um, and um, when you're talking about a, a marginalized community that has a difficult time, um, you know, acquiring loans or wealth, you know, these things are all part of like the capitalist structure and, systemic racism <laughs> that all yeah. kind of it all um, ties in it, all it really kind of, does that's why it, i that hate all like, kind of results like you'll hear in that you, limitation of what what you can like express yeah for sure and i just i hate you'll hear something real common like nowadays you know you're here and it usually comes from like the right wingers like why has everything got to be about race nowadays and it's like we just illustrated how like quite literally race is woven into everything from even the fucking t-shirt you put on. So it's like, but they, like, they, I always hear this narrative of like, oh, like they're making everything about race. And it's like, no, no, we're acknowledging what, that, that it's things actually, like race ties into these other aspects of society. But I don't know, I just had to, I had to just get that off my chest real quick. No, um, identity actually is a huge, is a huge kind of, um, it's it's so vital to our to our health um it's so vital to our like our identities are essentially a huge part of what our psyche is like our 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 emotional and and mental stability um has a great deal to do with our identities and how we view ourselves like what our worldviews are what our values are those are all kind of entrenched in in who we are and yet you have somebody say, oh, race is not a thing, and you're erasing an identity yeah. in, just by saying that. And so, I, and so um, 
you know, and also not uh, not having a way to express that identity is also an erasure, uh, also can be like an erasure of identity. It's these these things that have these dynamic relationships. Um, you know, it's it's like, like I said, you f immediately feel insecure when you're wearing something that doesn't fit that doesn't fit you. Well, it's like if you have no options out there. In fact, a lot of creative people, a lot of fashion designers come out of that idea that like, they couldn't find anything that was their identity that really spoke to them. So they decided to make it. Yeah. And that's yeah. and that. And and that kind of all that that again, it's it's um, there. There's this there's this, you know, huge, important like interplay between um, identity, what's available for us to actually express that identity. True. Um, and then you have, and then you have this, this like wide culture, this mass culture that has that viewpoint that it's like identity doesn't matter. Right. Why can't we all just get along if we just erase our identities? But that's yeah. one of the reasons why we can't get along. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, you, you know, what's crazy. I was actually, it's going to seem completely irrelevant, but it's super relevant. I was actually watching last night. My, my wife loves like children's movies. We were watching trolls world tour. And um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen it, but like the concept of the movie is that like all the trolls are like separated by like what kind of music they listen to. So there's like the rock trolls, and the pop trolls, and then like one type of music tries to, they said that like essentially we can't get along because we're too different. And then one, and then different people interpret it different ways. Like the rock trolls think the only way for everybody to get along is everybody listens to rock. And then other trolls are like, oh, but we can all have our differences. But like it, it illustrates perfectly what we're talking about. Like it just, I don't know, like it's crazy. I happened to just watch that movie last night and it just, I swear <laughs> it's like this exact conversation, like, just more colorful and, and with a little more auto-tune, but uh, like definitely still in the same vein of, but I thought it was cool though, that like something as innocent and or whatever fun as a Trolls movie could in introduce maybe some of these kind of, you know, intricate, delicate concepts and get kids maybe thinking about that. And, and I don't know, they, they, I feel like they did a good job of it. But um, yeah, kind of want to also transition. Like I said, there's kind of also this dichotomy, right? Like, like, so like back, like I said, it seemed to be really the late 90s, early 2000s, there was all these black streetwear brands. It was really popular and crossing over into mainstream culture. And um, But there was also this kind of like downside of it to where on one hand, millions of black kids everywhere, you know, they could represent their identity. And this is black. And this is, I'm proud of this. And, and there's a black millionaire behind this. And, and, and we're voting with our dollar and all those positive things that we named up. But then at the same time, every school had them couple black kids who, you know, maybe they hang out with the skateboarders and just like skateboarders, or they wore rock and roll band t-shirts, or, you know, they were like a black emo kid or some shit. And, 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 and it, as much of all those upsides as those black brands created, like that's not that black kid's identity. And it kind of like, it maybe even influences other races to kind of lump all black people. Like this is how black people dress. And, and, and like, it can be alienating. Like, wouldn't you say, um, like on the flip side of it, you know, everything has good and negative yin and yang, you know, that there's kind of like a byproduct that comes of that, of, of maybe isolating individuals that don't align with you know said culture or whatever so one of my fam one of my favorite and i and i don't even like i don't even know so so this does come from feminism but some people see feminism as like 
a, a, a negative word. I hope not. I hope your viewers don't. Um, but you know, one of my favorite feminist kind of concept is in, concepts is intersectionality. And and please don't judge intersectionality based off of that that feminist label because uh, intersectionality is basically all about you know it's like I'm this identity and this identity. I yeah. am both. I am and and both. Um, and there's really um, and there's really no way to separate it. And in fact, yeah. so like, like I said, that, that mismatch, that mishmatch, that mishmash that happens in the fashion industry also happens internally within ourselves. We have the things that we see and the things that we, that we value, the things that we love and identify with. And we want to express all of that. It's almost like we're expressing all of that all at once. And like, and I'm, I'm sure, and I'm, and I'm betting, I'm betting that the majority of people out there have like that favorite thing that they want to wear. And it somehow, like whether it intentionally or unintentionally expresses all of these aspects of their identity. And so like, uh, one of my favorite terms is the indigenerd. Um, <laughs> That's a good one. That's a, that needs like a bumper sticker or something. That, yes. It's one of my favorite, one of my favorite. Um, and that's because like, there's there there are these like these stereotypes right there's there there are these stereotypes and those stereotypes ha like have real detrimental um consequences with those that have those intersectionalities that don't fit with the stereo the stereotype of their identity mm -hmm. um and this is why stereotypes are so messed up and damaging um regardless of whether or not you know it's like you might do the statistics and be like well the majority of of you know black cultures like this it's like when well, you can't really say that um because you know you're you're you could be ca causing that kind of social interaction damage yeah um and so and so like we we are all these like this like mix of identity so when it comes to um like that that idea of like because because i run into that i mean i'm i'm mixed i'm i'm you know part uh slacknamish which is um a tribe up in Washington. Um, and so I, I will get that. Like I have light colored eyes. I'm not indigenous enough. I'm not native American enough. And, um, and that's, uh, and, and so it's, so then I have to like, that, then, then I kind of go like, well, how do I, how do I express that? How do we, how do we combine that or, or what makes me feel comfortable? Um, and I don't always wear, um, jewelry. You know, I don't always, I don't always express that, that Native American um, identity, but that doesn't mean that I'm not in it. I don't obviously express it, but it doesn't mean that I'm not inadvertently expressing certain yeah. values that align with that. So um, I think, I, 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 I think that, that we should all just understand just how complex identity is. Yeah. <laughs> I, would yeah. love, I yeah. would love to teach that to like high school students and junior high kids, like, yeah. like just get in there and just be like, okay, we have identities and they can be so complex and, and mixed and we can express them in different ways. And that is okay. Yeah. That is perfectly fine. We're not, it's, and, it, and the, but I think one of the roots um, and I can get into, I can go down this rabbit hole. Uh, one of the roots of that kind of interaction of this idea of you're not, some, you're not blank enough. You're not yeah. something. Yeah, enough, yeah, yeah. Um, comes from, comes from a protection of, of an identity. Yeah. Um, yeah. It kind of creates a cognitive dissonance, which is like this idea that, that you're presented with something that's opposite to what you believe and that, and they can't, and they just can't live in your brain together. 
Um, and so it creates kind of a kind of, for some people, it causes a lot of anger for, and, and frustration. Um, and that's usually what leads to the whole, you know, pointing the finger and saying, you're not something enough, because that's my identity. I own that. I like, it's, it's, it's that, like, that's mine. How can you be that way? Because it's causing a, a, a kind of difficulty in my brain yeah like i mean i struggled with this like, also, I, like I won't speak for anybody else i'll just speak for my own experiences like growing up i mean i had a super like crazy like childhood like, like I, I had this interesting story where like i legitimately didn't even find out i was part black until i was 15 um and then and you want to talk about like identity and shit i'll full on admit it like guess what how, what how old i was when i got these dreadlocks when i was 15 like, I'm not dumb enough right. to think that there's no correlation between that. You know what I'm saying? Me wanting to express mm -hmm. that. But but a lot of people are, like, ashamed of stuff like that or, like, would try to come up with some other reason or, or try to, you know. And, and but, but also, like, there was, like, this, like, so I, I played football. I was a good football player. So, like, I felt like, you know, like, football players, especially in a state like Oklahoma, like, they act this way, you know. But then I was also, like, I grew up poor. Like, I found myself in, like, quote-unquote, like, street or hood scenarios, too. And then it's like, you know, like, oh, hood dudes act like this. You know what I'm saying? And then, but at the same time, like, I grew up, when I was eight years old, my favorite band to listen to was, like, Blink-182. So, like, how does that, you know, blend in with that? And then, and then there's just, like, this, like, Oklahoma, for lack of better terms, like, white culture, which you have to learn to navigate or else you just ain't going to make it no place in a place like that. So I fucking was always just mixing and matching and, 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 and what do they call that? Code switching. And, 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 and like my, my whole life was like a key and peel skit. And, and, and then I, I re <laughs> for real. And then I realized like, I took me a little bit older, like maybe 23. Like I got out here in California. I didn't have any outside influences. Like I really was like getting to know like, who I am without these like structures and cultures and friends and all this that have been like imposed on me. And, and, and then I, I realized that like, it kind of like what you're saying that like, I'm all of that. Like, it's not these squares that don't fit. It's like this big Venn diagram. And I, and I'm right there in the middle at the intersection, like you said, of, of all these things. And it took me until I was older and out in the adult world and out, even out of college, um, before I could really, really come to grips with that and love that and embrace that and lean into that. And like you said, all these junior high and high school kids that are just like either trying to fit a label on themselves or or having one thrust upon them, you know, or, or you're not black enough or, or this isn't how football players act or this isn't how black people act or just all, you were fed all this shit until you got, yeah, there needs to be, like the answers can only come from within. I feel like with all these outside influences, you got to learn. Sounds corny, but you got to like learn to love all that is you. You know what I mean? Like you can't like turn your back on a certain side of you or try to act like a certain side doesn't exist. Like they can all exist and coexist for that matter. Yeah. Well, that's that's one of the reasons. That's one of the things that I talk because I have a I have a lot of um, I have a lot of cousins that that you know struggle with the whole you're not indigenous enough or or you know um, or you're not white. It's that whole you're not white enough. You're not indigenous enough. So like, then where do I exist? Um, and there are even some there are even some some people out there who are mixed who just go well I look this way and therefore 
I have to stay within this box. Yeah. And every single person I talk to about, about being mixed, I, I always go like, you are and in both. You're going to have a lot of people come at, come at you because they have, like, they're trying to form their identities. And I think that, that's, a, that's a part of it. It's like, it's like they're, they're trying to form their identities and, their, and, 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 you know, when you're met with, ex and so much of how we form our identities is based off of what we see other yeah. people are. Yeah, yeah. And so, again, like, <coughs> like hey, the, it, it's almost like you are, be by being you, teaching other people how to be you inadvertently yeah and so when you have when you have somebody who identify who might identify with you but at the same time isn't really picking up what's in their head of what their identity is that's going to create that clash and so when um whenever somebody tell whenever somebody you know has that issue or like talks talks about that i just go you are and in both you are everything you are far more than than you ever than than this world would make you think because yeah. there's this there's a, there's a, a a beautiful and it's and it and it does have to be sought out internally because unfortunately like we don't teach classes in this and like yeah, yeah. me being me being like a, a lecturer like a professional like i i want to be like can i ha can i like make up this class and this class and this class i would totally write that class and everybody would come out feeling amazing about themselves um well, our society <laughs> doesn't place a dollar value on that right like that like that class isn't going to make that school any money so that that you it's right. fucked. I, I feel you. I, I there right. needs to be more that like like it's I, I say it with dogs all the time. Like Holly will let my my dog's Holly like will learn something from another mm -hmm. dog. I'm like or teach a younger dog something like oh are you teaching you how to dog like we'll kind of crack the joke like how to be a dog <laughs> like you're learning how to be a dog but like we need classes on like how to be a human like how to like for real just the basic like we skip we skip steps like one through five and somehow focus on algebra like like how about we like learn how to like live in our own skin like i don't know i i personally think that the like k through 12 education does not really take into account the actual development <coughs> of the human being so like for instance like i said in junior high and high school it'd be great to teach class on identity right because that's when they're forming it that's yeah. when they're forming their identity yeah. and it's and and everybody's like thinking oh it has to be this like process of of just like making mistakes and being bullied and being hurt and and you know you know little people playing out their parents prejudices seriously <laughs> like, yeah that just like why why does that have to happen when when like there's there's always a better way but you know that then they're get, but the problem is is like <coughs> those parent prejudices that that has that control it's like that like us, us in research and, and education, we're just like, we have this idea. And then you have, you have, you still have, to, you're still at the mercy of like everyone else who, you know, maybe isn't educated in, in that kind of thing. So it, it becomes, it becomes that clash. When you just think so, about like, like, and I don't know, like, like, hell, like to a lot of people, like I said, I didn't really discover myself or learn to love myself or, and I'm still in, right. It's a constant journey, but like, like I said, it's always about 23, 24, like, what about all the people that like don't even make it that far? You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's kind of a privilege to be 24 and like still making decisions for yourself. Like, especially where I come from, your man's all it's over with by 24 for a lot of people. Like for one reason or another, you know, you, you know, maybe you maybe you fucked up your life. You got a bunch of felonies when you were young. Maybe you know you had a bunch of kids from some woman that you got nothing in common with. You know, you already fucked up your athletic career by then, or, or just whatever the case may be. Like I, yeah, 
like it like it's there's this it's kind of like like I don't know like there's this line in, in this rap song I really like where it's like you make it to see 25 nigga use a OG and it's kind of like meant to be like a gangster hood line but like I take it and like extrapolate more from it like like for real like to be able to reach that age coming from a certain place like it's like a privilege that that not everybody you know even gets to make it this far and and it really just breaks my fucking heart like I got friends I mean, guys, I grew up with, you know, and, and and like I said, I'm just now getting to this age where like, oh, I can kind of have agency on my own life and I can have my own podcast and dress how I want to dress and spend my time, you know, dedicate my, you know, however many hours I get in a day to furthering my own cause and, and have agency. And like, like it just before so many people get stopped before they even make it that far. And, and that's, that's the part that, like you said, if we reach these kids and taught them these skills, before, you know, at 13 to 17, I think it could, you know, help improve that a lot. Um, uh, there's a lot of people that they've got to reach the age, like ages of 40 before they, before yeah. they start to even <coughs> form their day. And that's because, um, you know, you have a lot, again, so many different ways to take off, take off from that. Um, and I actually, actually have, so I, I would love to read up more about this. Again, it's like as a researcher, I could go off in so many different areas of, of research. But um, one of the things that I've often pondered about and wanted <laughs> to know more about is um, is kind of the, the nature of oppression and like what exactly oppression is. So many people live the acts of oppression, but at the very root of it, what is it doing to us psychologically? Um, and I believe, and I believe like, oppression is far more than, than, you know, a history of, of slavery or, I mean, it's, it's, it, and, and racism, it's, it's kind of this, um, the root of oppression is denying somebody who they are. Yeah. That to, that to me is the very root of it is like when you, uh, when you are denied even the ability or the, the space to, develop yourself to be who you are to find that then then you're you're stuck in oppression like if you've reached a certain age and you still haven't figured out you still haven't had the the space or the comfort to to you know be who you are that's oppression right there that that to me is oppression like and 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 if you think about it like all all the way back it's like you know, oppression is a denial of culture. It's, it's like a, it's a, a you know, a, an ex, like, like taking away your culture, taking away your ability to express who you are, taking away your ability to practice what you practice. I just, um, I just thought of like the perfect like intersectionality to bring these two conversations together at like the perfect point. So you mentioned earlier how if you're mixed, you're both, right? And, and then you just talked about if you're having like, if you don't have access to like who you truly are, you're oppressed, right? To me, especially me being mixed part black, there's like a single moment you can point to that like fucks all that whole thing up. Cause I agree conceptually with every word you just said, but it's like the definition of in practice versus in theory. In practice, you know what fucked that up for black folks? And I can't speak for all races, but the, the one drop rule, I'm sure you're aware of the one drop rule. So it, it, it removed black people or mixed people's ability to be both. And that is, as somebody who grew up in the South, and I mean, I've, I've lived in towns that are still segregated with populations of 
less than 2,000 people. I've been in the shit. I know, that's why I can't stand whenever, like, woke Bay Area people try to tell me about racism. Like, I've lived in, like, segregated southern places, like, and I'm only 26 years old. Like, don't try to tell me about it. But anyway, uh, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is, is yeah, just this, this one drop rule, and, and it's, like, been embraced by both sides. Like, I had pe- black folks telling me before I even took my DNA test and found out I was black, they could look at me and tell they're, they're like, you know, you got to essentially pick a side like you with us, like them white folks ain't going to love you regardless. Like, like you got to choose up. And, and so it's like, I don't know that that I want like the one drop rule kind of throws like a wrench in that ability for a lot of, you know, mixed mulatto people to kind of be both or embrace both. Like there was an actual like physical, not physical, but an, a real law, like actual like paperwork, judges, courts, you know, enforcing it. And so I think, and, you know, of course, you know, you hear people all day, oh, why are you always focused on that shit that happened so long ago? Because, like, these are the ramifications that still exist today. They they echo through generations um, in, in um, you know, Native American, uh, you know, communities. It's <laughs> it's blood quantum. Right. So like, and hey, it's, you guys and have it, an actual number put on your shit. That's yes. even more crazy for real. Yeah. So, so like, like I, I, you know, I have to have my paperwork, right. Wow. I have, I have my, I have my paperwork that, t- that tells me exactly, you know, according to my tribe, this is how much of my blood con- like allows me to be part of my tribe and enrolled in my tribe. Wow. Um, I actually have a, I have a, a friend who's Lakota and she has a, she has a, a baby and, and she's mixed, but her baby cannot be considered. Her child cannot be considered uh, Lakota, even though they're on the res. Wow. She studies, she studies like all she, she has um, studies all of like this, like the spiritual practices. She, she, she's up, up you know, she's traditional practicing and she, she and she teaches that to her child. Her child actually knows the Lakota language and is learning the Lakota language, and yet wow. can't be considered Lakota because know, of blood quantum. I got two follow-up questions based on that. A, I mean, and feel free to not answer either one. To be honest, they're kind of personal. Um, what's a? What's your percentage? Just out of curiosity, and then what is like that cutoff percentage for your friend that's Lakota? I just, I, I'm super curious about both of those. So, um, so actually, because of, because of, um, I, I'm not entirely certain what the blood quantum uh, cutoff is for for all tribes because I mean we are all sovereign nations. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. like that's a that's a huge aspect of, of of it. You know, there's all these different governing bodies. Um, so, uh, you know, and blood quantum was something that was brought about um, from the U.S. government and the the you know Bureau of Indian Affairs. Yeah. Um, but uh, but for like for me, I'm a quarter, I'm or I'm considered a quarter. Um, I have a lineage, I believe, that connects to um, the uh, the great nation in Hawaii. So wow. I so I have I have you know Polynesian. Uh, you know, if we were to do a DNA test, I've got Polynesian blood as well. Um, but uh, but. But according to the tribe, I am a quarter. Um, and that means that if I were to have um, a child with anybody from any other tribe, I, they wouldn't be registered as... So as that's fucking. the cutoff, like an eighth, right? An eighth is a cutoff? Uh, eight, no, eighth, eighth is like you're not. Oh, wow. You're not that tribe. So like, court, like, so like I, I am like the last generation in, 
in my unless you got with like a full blood from the same tribe, right. even if Which, it was a different um, tribe. Yeah, well, that we'll see. That's that's kind of the the funny thing is like um, because uh, <laughs> so um, I've got a lot of relatives in the in the Lummi tribe. Like they're all like cousins. <laughs> yeah, it would so be kind family. of impossible. So much family. Wow. Um, and I haven't even met all of them. Apparently, there's an entire hill in on the reservation that I'm, that I'm oh, related wow. to. Wow. So like, um, so there's like uh, lineages and and actually keeping. So that's that's a, one of the things um, in uh, in tribes. Like, it's important to have somebody who who um, keeps track of genealogy because, you know there there's like you want to know who your cousin is like that's oh. kind of an important an important thing yeah um so it's uh it's one of those things where I, and i mean my my friend makes this makes this you know point all the time she goes it's like you know i might look the way i do but i am lakota and and you know and if you want and you know sometimes like some full-blooded full-blooded you know lakota are you know You've got, you've got, you've got to like get with your cousin or something. Cause like, That's we're wild. all, we're all connected. We're all related. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. But uh, yeah. And just even the way, yeah. like, um, you know, how just genes and how, how that all works. Like, so like my great grandfather is, is full blown black, like dark skinned black. Like, I, And it's the wild thing is I have a picture with him and like, uh, we actually look super similar, like the exact same head shape, like, like literally just like a video game. If you just lighten the skin on him, you pretty much have me. But so it's wild just how like the genealogy can pass along and, and, and all that. And, and it, like exactly. And like, uh, I, I mean, I thought about that myself. Um, you know what I mean? Like I'm married and, and, and my wife doesn't have any African-American in her. And so like my, my child, you know, there's a good chance my child don't come out looking black at all. And, 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 and I've already, you know, child ain't, news not even pregnant, child isn't even really, you know, it obviously doesn't even exist yet. And I've already begun to think about this, like, issue of identity and, and what, what the hell does he claim or she or whoever, you know, the future child, you know, what? It's so it's, as, as murky and as mixed as I am, it's going to be pretty much double, you know what I mean? For my future, proceed. And, and it's just how important identity and race, all that is. I've already thought about that for a person that doesn't even exist yet. It's wild. So my, my only kind of, kind of thing with that is I, um, because I've worked with so many young people, uh, because I'm like, I, I'm a professor. So I get them after they've gone through the horrors of high school. Mm. We're not even going to go into the horrors of high school, but like I get them after that. And so one of the and and it's almost like um they need that permission to be themselves um and a lot a lot of and, and a lot of the kind of teaching that i do especially as um so i teach like clothing design and 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 like the sociology connections with clothing and so much of that is like you know who are you i just yeah. spend the whole time standing up there late be like who are you let's work this out and let's express that let's figure out how to express that and that's kind of like the that's the fun aspects of my job yeah that is um cool. but um but like for, but whenever whenever like i think about that too like who who will i end up with who who will i have a child with um and and what will i do what will i be able to do for that child and and i think uh, a part of it is like telling those stories like story stories are one of the biggest you know educators uh like uh, you know forms of education um because 
you know, they have this really great um, aspect of like helping the the person who's listening to the story make their own kind of conclusions about it and, and kind of for them internally realize the next, the next steps. And I think um, just telling stories about what it is to be, what it is to be mixed, what it is it is to be and in both, you know, it's like having both parents talk about kind of the struggles um, that they've had, you know, being like just in ex being in existence. Um, one of the, one of the, the um, kind of, tragedies I guess of of my life is I didn't get a chance to get to know my father who was mixed mm -hmm. right so he he still had this he he had the same you know you're not indigenous enough or you're you're not white enough kind of kind of situations I bet it was um, even and I had worse back of, then yeah and and I have a ton of family who's going who's going through that I have cousins that that like I would have loved to know growing up because those ex because you know having them talk about those experiences as we grew up would have been a huge benefit um, to kind of understanding how like how to form who I am and how to and and what I mean by how to form who who I am is like they don't have control over it but we always have this like this agency where we or uh, we have this like um, kind of like teeter teeter totter or, or like uh, um, like these two aspects of like agency and knowledge so we're yeah. we're like gathering we're gathering this this idea of what it is to be our identity from other people but then we also have that agency to mold it for ourselves yeah, yeah. um i never underestimate the the power of of that agency in another human being um and and like really all you can do is tell tell stories and then they and then if they are given the time to actually work through it um, because if they're get, because, um, those, I, that, that idea of like working through it and that, that introspection that needs to come from an acceptance of whoever they'll end up being. Yeah. That's, that's a huge part of it. Right. Is it's like these people can't be themselves for like fear of consequence. And, it, and it's crazy. I know this story gets told all the time, as, like in the context of like the gay community, right? Like, uh, th them being able to live their true selves. But I feel like even for people that aren't gay, just like like dressing how you want to dress, listen to the music. Like there's a lot of smaller, like little things. And, and, and you're right that these teenagers, these kids just feel like they can't be themselves. And I was like, I had both. Like, like my mom was full blown, like, you know what I'm saying? Change your name to Sally and go do art in San Francisco. I'll love you. You know, my mom was full. Like regardless of how I turned out, my mom was on board with it and, and, and supported but my dad was the classic, like, oh, no, this is what you like. Like, this is manly. This is this is cool. Like, this is what you like, you know, and and, uh, and yeah, just like if I never would have had my mom who like would have accepted my choices regardless. Like, I couldn't imagine having two parents that were both on that, like, unaccepting type tip. And I've met these kids. I've met these kids. Where like like I was raised like my mom's cool as hell like my mom like I could I cuss and shit like my, I wasn't raised like super traditional, but like I'm, I've met these kids you know where they're seventeen and like the you know they're eighteen maybe they're even still in college or whatever they're grown essentially and like like oh I can't 
do this. And it won't even be like, oh, I can't do heroin on the street corner. Like, no, it's like something basic, like that we all, like, you know, maybe even make just as simple, as simple as a tattoo or a hairstyle or wearing a certain type of clothing or whatever the case may be. Studying, there's grown kids in college, like they don't even get to pick their own major. Like, oh, no, my dad said I have to be an engineer. Like, you know what I mean? And it breaks, like, I didn't even know because of how I was raised. I wasn't raised like that. So I like, I didn't even think that was an option. I'm just like, oh, tell your dad to fuck off and go major whatever you want. But these, <laughs> you know, like 18 years of brainwashing and control and, and, and removing the ability to make one's own decisions, it like neuters people mentally. I think, I think um, one of the, to, to kind of piggyback off of that, and even going back to a, a previous point, I think there's this like scale, like there's, there's this scale and on one side you have survival, uh, which is kind of born from a lot of fear and, um, and it many times leads to a lot of, a lot of anger and hate. Um, on the other side, you've got, you've got things, you've got this idea of living, right? It's not just life, it's living. Um, and, and like, that's where you actually have the space and the kind of mental ability to really form who you are. Um, and where you kind of end up on that spectrum, really, I mean, I mean, there have been studies that link, uh, that link this idea of like fear and hate and survival to like, conservatism. Um, and this idea of like, when you're given that like freedom, that space to explore, you know, who you are, like that, that's actually like, it's, it's a political scale, it can be a political scale, too. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, but oftentimes, too, this idea of like survival and desire to live also, also can be on that political scale. So, I, so, again, it's like, on the one side, you have that survival, and, and oftentimes, that's where you get the oppressed. Right. That's where that oppression that that's where that oppression takes place. You take away that oppression and you're given all of this space to kind of figure out who you are. Um, and that happens on like a family level and that can happen on a societal a great deal on the societal level yeah, where yeah. where again that that oppression, it gives you that box to fit yeah. in and mm -hmm. and it denies you yourself. So um so really that that's like i i personally think that like just bringing it back to clothing i personally think that the limitations um out there for us available to purchase and wear that's a form of oppression because <laughs> it's like if i can't wear whatever i want to wear well, like, would you like, agree though that like there's probably never been a better time for that with the rise of online shopping because like even if you live like in a small podunk town or on a reservation or whatever I mean, granted, obviously, there's the price of like the money issue, but that aside, like you you can get pretty much whatever you want nowadays. Like I grew up like in a small town, Winniewood, Oklahoma, and you had to drive an hour to the nearest mall, and it was still a small, shitty mall. And you bet your ass, after driving all that way, you're leaving with whatever they got at this mall, like regardless of whether <laughs> you like it or not. You know, I, it was back in the day, right. and. and uh, but nowadays, you know, so I just feel like, like, well, granted, I agree what you said is true. And there isn't something for necessarily everybody. But wouldn't you kind of say it's kind of never been better as far as options or like, you know, being able to express yourself? Well, um, there, I mean, in every single culture, there, there was a time when you made your own. Mm. You know, and if I were going to pinpoint a time when it, when it was really good for self-expression, um, 
I mean, you, you are right. Like there, there is a, there is a limitation to that because like there, there still are, cause I mean, being somebody who's taken fashion history, there were very distinct, you know, styles and ways you dressed, you know, given the century you were in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, but I think like there was far more variation. There was far, there, there was far more, uh, um, exploration i think uh at its you know at the times when we didn't have this like industrialized uh aspect to clothing um and and you know more to the point uh it's was better for the environment at that time when you made your own clothing because then you didn't because then it wasn't like a uh, an external process of of like the industry deciding you know uh what ends up staying, you know, out there available versus what, what ends up being thrown away. And, um, uh, so I think, I think, uh, you know, part, part of decolonizing fashion is kind of taking out a little bit of that, um, of that industrialized aspect, um, and especially the fast fashion aspects of, of fashion, um, to really open up and because my belief is that if you open up abilities for, if you open up the ability for everybody to explore their identity in a more in more unique ways, you not only uh, it's not only a societal benefit because everybody feels a little less like they have to like have a certain identity to survive. They can actually be themselves and get out of that oppression. Um, but also that it's better for the environment. I mean, there's just there's there. I mean. I don't know if everybody knows it's great for your viewers to to know is that the fashion industry actually is the second largest polluter of the wow. planet. So, wow. so yeah, it's second, second to the, um, to the I oil industry. So, oh, oil. Yeah. So we, well, the thing is we all know that like oil pipelines and, and, you know, driving your car, you know, everybody, everybody talks about carbon footprint and, and how, um, how, you know, driving your car, it's contributing to the greenhouse gases and that's, what's causing, you know, climate change. But, um, but another thing that's causing the climate change is the polyester clothes, clothing that you wear and how wow. little, little plastic. So polyester is actually plastic and plastic ends up in the oceans, which makes it makes the oceans more acidic, which makes the oceans, uh, which makes it difficult for the oceans to actually uh, process and create oxygen. Wow. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of issues around just the way that we consume clothing. Wow. Um, and, and so like, and for me, I believe that we have the science, we have all the science in the world to be able to address climate change. The problem is that culturally, we don't actually want to act on those, on yeah. those solutions. Yeah, we want and one the of the ways that solution, but uh, my bad, just to pause you real quick, we are coming up on the end of this first hour and Instagram will cut us off. So just, um, okay. yeah, did, um, did you want to go ahead and wrap it up? Was there anything you wanted to maybe come back and, and talk about on, on and go a little longer? Um, I, the ball's totally in your court. Um, well, I mean, I, we, we could go on like this for hours, but I think, I think we, I think we covered like we a, a great deal of stuff. I actually really, really enjoyed this. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, and, and really enjoyed like being able to, to, to talk and like exchange and um, thank you for sharing all of your stories. That that's really, oh, yeah. that was really important um, yeah, no, thank for me, you for, for me. How... Cause I, I, I deeply respect people who share that, who, Did you, I think you froze up a little bit. You still there with me? Um, oh, man. It looks like, well, I guess this is a good time to wrap it up then. Um, 
Looks like we had a little bit of um, technical difficulties here, a little freeze up. Um, but yeah, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. That was episode 21 of Dreadful Talk featuring Janine Hilaire, um, apparel studies and sociological researcher. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with her and I really appreciate her time. Um, and, and yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It'll soon be available on YouTube, on Spotify, on Anchor, about anywhere you would um, find a podcast. So thank you everybody for that tuned in live. And thanks for everybody that's going to check it out on one of those platforms. Um, subscribe to the Dreadful Talk podcast YouTube page and follow me on Instagram at Dreadful Talk Dom to catch these live. Thanks everybody.